We're starting a new series, and I'm really excited about it because I get to talk about uh, something that I'm most passionate about. Thanks. Turn me down just a touch. So, it sounds good? All right, leave it there then. Maybe it's the monitor I hear me in. That's all right, too. So, we're going to start a journey talking about somebody. Not a story about a man that lived long ago or Sunday school material, but somebody who is very much real. And I can't press that upon you enough. Jesus is real. He's a great story. He has a great story. But Jesus is real. So we're going to start a journey talking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? And today we're going to start at the very beginning of who Jesus is. He's God and he's human. Um, I think everybody, most of us, have a pretty good grasp that Jesus is God. And, and what is it about God that makes God God? Well, there's three big words we throw around. Uh, omnipotent. Omnipresent. And the other big word that I can't remember right now. Omniscient. Thank you. What's that mean? Well, the omnipresent means that God is everywhere at once. You can't go to any place in all of creation and God not be there. God is there. Um, Omnipotent. All power. There is no power on heaven or earth or anywhere in creation that is greater than God. God has all power. And finally, God knows all things. There is nothing that can be known that God doesn't know. Jesus is God. In uh, John 1, whoop, John 1, 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing has been made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Who are we talking about? Who is the Word that's being discussed here? Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Um, You know, when God describes Himself... Like in the Old Testament, Moses said, who, who should I say sent me? And God said, I am. And, and now here we're talking about Jesus. And How do we describe Jesus? The Word. Jesus is the Word. <laughs> when God speaks, it's Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. I have to put a disclaimer out here. I'm going to talk about many things that I am completely unqualified to talk about. There's many things about God that I don't understand. Now, I've made a choice a long time ago that I don't have to understand it to believe it. Because the only way I can understand these things is to reduce them down to what my human mind is capable of comprehending. And I have to be honest with you, I cannot comprehend God. I don't know the boundaries and the limitations of what God is and what God isn't. I don't know. I would like to tell you that I'm a really smart guy and I can explain all this to you. 
But the fact is, you already know that that's not true. And that I can't explain all these things to you. And so if you have the need to absolutely know everything about God, I hate to be a bubble popper. But you're not going to get there. Because God is greater than you. God is everywhere. He knows all things and he has all power. And you don't. And so to comprehend everything about God, maybe you'll get farther than me. I hope you do. But there are things about God that I don't understand. The Word was with God and the Word was God. I don't know how you can say those two things together. Put my name in there. The Word was Tony and the Word was with Tony. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Of course I'm with me if I'm me. But when you describe God, you need things like this because God is bigger than what we can understand. How is it that Jesus can be with God and be God? That's, but he is. And Jesus was there in the beginning. In fact, Jesus was the creator. We say God the Father created, and he did technically. But Jesus is the creator. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was there. Jesus is God. And in Jesus is life. Do you know why you are alive today? Because Jesus. You know why everybody you know is alive today? Jesus. You know why your dog and your cat and the birds and the snakes and the bugs are alive today? Because Jesus is life. Now again, how do I comprehend that? I have no idea. But it's true. Jesus is life. And the life was the light of all mankind. I know that Jesus is Savior of those who believe, who believe in him. And anyone can believe in him. But beyond that, Jesus is the life and the light of all mankind. We don't know anything if it weren't for Jesus. Imagine the darkness that we would have in this world if it wasn't for the light of Jesus. So, Jesus is God. The Son of God. The Word. Emmanuel. There are many names for Jesus. But, Jesus became flesh. And we didn't get very far into this sermon until my cheese slid off my crackers or the train derailed or whatever you want to say. How do you get over this hurdle and this hump? Jesus is God. And Jesus became flesh. Did Jesus stop being God? When he became flesh? No. But Jesus in the flesh had real limitations. That he endured as being in the flesh. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So here's the fact. Jesus, the son of God, reduced himself, limited himself, shrank himself down, become flesh. Just like you. Now, to resolve the issues, and we're going to talk about a lot of paradoxes, that Jesus is God and now Jesus is human. 
Some people have come to the conclusion that Jesus was cheating on the test. Like Albert Einstein taking the kindergarten math class. That Jesus cheated somehow because he was God. Of course he was sinless. He was God. See, how do you get to there mentally and how do you resolve that? I don't know. The Bible is full of things where we say, this is true and this is true. And these two things can't coexist somehow in our minds. But they're true nonetheless. Jesus was fully God and Jesus was fully human. Why does that matter? Because if Jesus wasn't human, his sacrifice is worthless. There's no value in it if he wasn't human. Otherwise, he was cheating on the test. But Jesus is human, was human, because Jesus became flesh. Um, so we talked about God being omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscious. Are you those things? None of us are those things. When Jesus took on flesh, he was none of those things. So before Jesus was born, Jesus was everywhere because he's God. Then he was born, and you know where Jesus was then? In a manger in Bethlehem. He was at one place, at one time. What did baby Jesus know? Well, he knew everything that every other baby knows. What could Jesus say? The same things every other baby could say. Jesus became flesh. So here we have the author of the story, the Word of God, the Creator of all things, the Giver of life, and He leaves that to become one of us. <laughs> See, then did He stop being God? No, but He became flesh. And in His flesh, He was limited. Now I know this is... We don't like to think about this, about Jesus being limited. But Jesus was limited. He took on the body of a human, the glory of God in the flesh of a man. And, and how does Jesus do that? How does he remain God yet become flesh? Above my pay grade, I can't explain it. But I believe it to be true. So... The way most of us approach this, and the way I used to approach this, is that if I'm faced with two paradoxes, then I have to reduce and modify either one side or both sides until I can comprehend it. And so for most of us, we either reduce Jesus so that he wasn't God, or we say he really wasn't man so he can remain God. And I think it's a mistake to reduce either side. Because I believe they're both true, even though I can't understand it or explain it. Jesus had a human body. I said had. I meant has. Okay? We always talk about Jesus in past tense. Jesus is not past tense. Jesus is present tense today, and he has a body. So, um, Emmanuel, 
Great name for Jesus, which means God with us. He was born in a manger. Luke 2, verse 7. Did the baby Jesus need to be fed? Yes. Did he need to be carried? Yes. Did he need to have his diaper changed? Okay, I don't know what the culture is for diapers back then. But however they dealt with it, they had to deal with Jesus too. When he was hungry, he cried. When he was sleepy, he cried. When he was scared, he cried. Someone taught the Son of God to speak. That blows me away that the Word of God had to be taught words. He didn't know how to speak when he was born. He had to be taught. He didn't know how to walk. So here the God of the universe who is everywhere at once all of a sudden is bound to one place. And he can't even move from there until they teach him to walk. They had to teach Jesus how to use a spoon. Someone, as he grew up, they taught him how to use tools in the carpenter shop. Somebody taught him how to navigate because he knew how to go places and get back. Someone taught him how to read. Do you realize that the scriptures were taught to Jesus? That's amazing to me. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was a little baby who became a boy who grew into being a man. Just like you. Just like you. You grew and became strong and you were filled with wisdom and stature and with the favor of God and man. Jesus was born and grew up just like you and me. He was human. His body started as a baby and grew into a man. He had a normal human body. Jesus got tired. In John 4, 6, he had been on a long journey and he ended up at a, at a well that had some water. And it says in John 4, 6 that he was tired from his journey. In Matthew 4, 2, Jesus was hungry. In John 19, 28, Jesus was thirsty. In Luke 23, 26, Jesus was carrying his cross up to Golgotha. And he got tired from the wounding of his body. And he couldn't carry his cross anymore. Okay? Do you see yourself here? And in Luke 23, verse 46, Jesus died. These are all things humans do. Jesus was human. See, Jesus wasn't cheating on the test. When he fasted for 40 days, he was hungry. He was hungry. When he walked a mile or two or 12 or 36 miles, his feet hurt and he was tired. Jesus was human. You know what it's like to have a human body. It's a very demanding thing, our human bodies. You know, if you don't sleep like three days without sleep, you start going nuts. You got to sleep. If you don't drink in like three days, you'll die. If you don't eat, you'll die. Jesus had all those same restrictions on his human body. Jesus had a human body. Being human is all I've ever known. I don't know anything else. 
Jesus looked at us as the Son of God and said, I'll do that. I'll become human. See, we think it's pretty awesome to be human because it's all we know. Jesus gave up a lot to be human. It was a great price he paid to become human. Um, Jesus also has human emotions. And I know, if you can believe he had a body, that's one thing. But now we're going to go where it's really dangerous and tricky. Jesus felt things. Um, now maybe God feels things too, right? I'm not trying to say God doesn't have emotions. But Jesus felt emotions as a human. You see, God is never surprised. God, There's one thing God has never seen. It's a big problem. Right? God knows what's coming. Jesus, he didn't always know what was going to happen next. And again, this is where it gets, we'll talk more about this, but it's just amazing. So one day, this centurion came to Jesus and said, uh, Hey Jesus, my servant is paralyzed and sick. And, and Jesus said, Well, I'll go and heal him. And the centurion said, Oh, no, 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 there's no need for that. Just speak the words and he'll be healed. And you know what it says next? Jesus was amazed when he heard that. You see, we think sometimes if, if Jesus is God, then this man walks up and Jesus knows, oh, this guy's a centurion and he's going to ask me about his paralyzed servant. And then, but Jesus was amazed by what he said. It wasn't that he knew what was going to happen. He was amazed by it. Jesus was human. And I know we don't, we don't like to get stuck there because we think and we see that Jesus knew things that were happening. And we think, well, that's the God influence on Jesus. And it is God's influence on Jesus, but it's God, the Holy Spirit, revealing things to Jesus, just like he can do to you. See, Jesus was human. He didn't know what the centurion was going to say, and when he said it, he was amazed. Jesus was caught off guard. He was pleasantly surprised. He was amazed. Now, Jesus also felt pain. In Gethsemane, right before Judas betrayed him, Jesus said, I'm about to be betrayed. He knew. But he was greatly troubled by it. Um, can you imagine Jesus being troubled by something? Yet, yet he was troubled by that. In John 11.35 it says Jesus wept. What made him cry? Well, Lazarus, his friend, had died. Now, Jesus knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. He had to tell his disciples in plain language, Look, Lazarus isn't asleep. He's dead, and we're going there to raise him from the dead so the glory of God could be seen. So Jesus knew what was going to happen. But then he got there, and he saw Mary and Martha weeping and mourning. And he saw everybody weeping and mourning. And they took him to the tomb. And Jesus was greatly troubled in spirit. And he wept. Jesus saw the suffering of people. He saw the consequences of death. And he cried about it. 
Jesus had human emotions. He was amazed. He was overwhelmed with sorrow. He was troubled in spirit. And he cried. <laughs> and now things are getting crazier. Jesus has a human mind. Jesus had a mind of his own. And it's a real paradox. How can Jesus be God and know all things and be man and not know things? And, and I don't know. There are things that Jesus does not know in Mark 13, 32. It says, nobody knows when Jesus is going to come back. This was Jesus speaking. I don't know. But then Peter says that Jesus knows all things in John 21, 7. And here we are with the paradox. Jesus doesn't know this, but he knows all things. How do you reconcile that? God and man, together in one place. Um, Jesus has a human will. Here we are, the Son of God, Jesus, and he has a will that is different than the Father. Because he said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. <laughs> How do you reconcile that? That Jesus wanted things that were different than what the Father wanted. I don't know. In Matthew twenty six thirty nine, Jesus was praying about the crucifixion and he said, Yet not as I will, but as you will. You know what that says to me? Jesus' human body didn't want to go to the cross. His human mind, his human will says, Nah, I don't think I want to do this. Now, Jesus was obedient to God. But Jesus had dreams, desires, wishes, all the things that we include as our will. And Jesus submitted his will to God. But that would be easy for Jesus to do, right? He's God. No. Jesus is human. And you know how hard it is for you to surrender your will to God? That's how hard it is for Jesus. See, Jesus was tempted. In Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, recently there's a word in this verse that jumped out at me, and it's the one that says, he has been tempted in every way. I submit, I have not been tempted in every way. There are things that do not tempt me. Jesus was tempted in every way. In every way. Right? Aren't there some things out there that other people are bothered by and drawn into that you're not? Every way for Jesus. He was tempted in every way. And here we have another paradox. James 1.13 says, God cannot be tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus was tempted in every way. Therefore, Jesus must not be God. 
That's the conclusion other religions draw. The people who don't think Jesus is God, that's one of their primary things they use. Can you come to grips with the fact that Jesus is God and Jesus is man? And somehow he's both those things at the same time? It's true, he is. Jesus was tempted. When he was fasting, he was hungry. And when Satan said, hey, you can turn those stones into bread, Jesus was tempted by that because some fresh bread sounded pretty good to Jesus. But Jesus is God, so he used his divine nature to not sin. Now that's code word for cheating on the test. Jesus did not use his divine nature to overcome temptation. He used his belief in God and his faith and his self-control to overcome sin. You see, Jesus became human to pay the price for my sin so that other humans could be saved. And Jesus took on a human body so that those of us with a human body could also be saved. To save our bodies. Jesus took on a human mind so that he could save those of us with human minds and that our human minds might be saved. Jesus took on a human heart so that those of us with human hearts, not the blood pump, but the central core of our being, that our hearts could be saved. Jesus took on a human will to save our wills. Jesus became a man in full so that he might save us in full. Who does that? I like you. And I'll do nice things for you. To a point. Right? Jesus, the Son of God, the Word, who was all places at all time, who had all power, who had all authority in heaven and earth, who was the creator of all things, he is the life of men and the light of mankind, became flesh for us. He left the splendor of heaven, no doubt, but then took on the bondage of humanity. And it's just amazing. Who is Jesus? Jesus loves me enough to become human so that he could pay the price that I am unable to pay. When I'm asked to pay for my sins, what do I do? I have to die. And believe me, when I die for my sins, I'm dead. But Jesus came in human form that he might be the perfect sacrifice, that he could pay the price of all of our sins so that I could still be alive. That's the place I find myself today. I am alive in Christ. I was dead in my sin, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus, 
that's now alive. And the tendency is to make that be a religious tenet, a, a point of my theology that I'm now saved because of Jesus. And it's true, it is. But this is personal. I know a lot of people are offended by the words of my personal Savior. It's like saying it's my assistant, my little buddy, you know, the one that helps me through. The reason this is personal is because Jesus did it for me. He did it for you too. But he did it for me. We're not born in groups. We might die in groups, but we don't go to judgment in group. It's all about me then, right? What about you, Tony? God's going to say. And Jesus is going to say, his name's written in my book. He's one of mine. He's alive. I paid for his sins. And that's personal to me. Flannel graph Jesus, paintings of Jesus, those are all good things. But they don't describe Jesus. See, Jesus had a human body, and he still has one today. And Timothy st stuck his finger in the holes in his hands. After Jesus was raised from the dead, he ate. Now, what's a glorified body? Was he bound, is he bound to one place? No, no, he's not bound to one place anymore. But he still has a body. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. See, it's, it's not just theology. It's not just... It's real and personal to me, the way Jesus loves me. He knows me by name. He calls me by name. I was chosen before the world began, as you were as all believers are. And Jesus paid the price. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who took on the form of a man so that he could be the Savior of all mankind. But more specifically, so that he could save you. And that blows me away. And I'm going to tell you that every, I don't know how many weeks this series is going to go on, We'll see. But I can tell you, I'm going to end every week with this statement. Jesus blows me away. That's who he is. And that's the kind of relationship he has with us. Uh, Jesus, thank you. You love me. You died for me. You paid the price for me. Jesus, you became man for me. And I love you. I am grateful for what you've done. And I love you back, Jesus. I thank you for all these things. We pray it in your name. Amen.